Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Coming up, Dr. Mark Terman from the Denison Forum has joined us once again. Well, he's coming up really quickly because he joins us right now as uh, we welcome Dr. Mark Terman and uh, looking forward to this conversation this morning. Because I I think you're going to hopefully encourage us, maybe even challenge us a little bit as we talk about kind of the state of our country as it relates to uh, politics, how maybe we think biblically about the role of politics. Uh, And uh, I know that this is, well, an emotionally charged topic for a lot of people. So I want to ask you, stick with us here. <laughs> I've already Open made mind, a face. Right? I know you've already made I the did. face. Yep. I'm already like, ah. <laughs> because we know <laughs> that whenever we go down this road, people react very quickly and very strongly because so many people are, are thinking, well, if we could just change this law, if we could just get this person in the office, if we could do this, some, things could be different and things could be better because so many people dissatisfied with how things are going in our country today. In fact, Mark, uh, just looking at statistics you provided for us, um, it looks like the vast majority of Americans would say that they're kind of not satisfied with how things are going. Well, that seems to be the case. Gallup just re, re, uh, released some new numbers last week where only about one in four of us say that they are generally satisfied. I think people immediately kind of go to the politics of this question. I think the question may be broader than that, um, but people generally in these kinds of surveys default to, well, do I like the way I think the government is going or the economy is going? And those are legitimate factors, but they're not the whole story. But one in four basically says, yeah, I'm okay with most things. 75% generally are saying, no, I'm dissatisfied. And within that number, 50% of that number says they're really dissatisfied. And it just kind of holds true. Maybe it's just always human nature. It's easier for us to see what we don't like rather than what we do like and what is going well. And uh, that really is counter to what I think God would want us to be because he tells us so often to be grateful, to look around and see where goodness is in our life and also in our country on a large scale and look around and focus on the things that you can be grateful for because we do live in a great place and in a great time, and we have a lot of privileges that people in other parts of the world don't have and throughout history haven't had. I appreciate that you're already starting to unpack that because immediately, myopically, we look at what we don't like. And if it defaults to the government or the situation with the economy, that is certainly going to I, I don't even jade our response to a question like that. But you said that's not the whole picture. Help us look broader. If it's not the government and how things are going with the economy, help us look at something that is going to make us understand that a satisfied life is different than what man has to offer. Yeah, a satisfied life really has a lot of different measurements and metrics to it, I think. Uh, I read a book a couple of years ago by a now deceased uh, researcher named Hans Rosling. Uh, One of the things he said in his book, Factfulness, is that we need to understand that life can be both bad and better at the same time. And I thought it was really a great biblical insight in many ways to say, you know what, there are, yes, there are real problems and we can see them. And sometimes they're very personal to us. Sometimes they're very broad, but, uh, we can, at the same time, look to those things that are better. You know, yes, we still have problems with the COVID-19 situation, but we're way better than where we were three years ago 
when we were all just now starting to hear this it, it being in our world and shutting down our world. We've made a lot of progress. We're not home free, may never be home free on that front in some ways, but we're much better off. And that we need to look around. Sometimes sometimes we're misusing the telescope or the microscope. We, we're sometimes looking at the big picture. We know that news media is often driven by the most negative stories. And if we take that in too much, then our, as you said, our perspective becomes skewed and we don't see the goodness that God has for us right in front of us in our, in the, in our word or his word to us, in the people around us, in the opportunities that we have on any given day. And so you, you have to think more about intentionality when it comes to, okay, God, what can I be grateful for? And there's multiple studies that have come out in recent years that if you will sit down and just write down three things that you can be grateful for today, you'll be in a better perspective. And I think that's more in line with where God wants us to live. That's a great application of going through the act of having to think that through, write that down. I think it really does kind of help crystallize in our minds some of those things that we can really be grateful for. Because, Mark, when we live inside the echo chambers of social media and news feeds and all of those things, it can be really easy to really kind of become jaded and to get negative in, in our thinking there. So appreciate the, the practical application of that. But as you look at where we are culturally as a society, um, just broad picture, and then even within the evangelical church, is there reason? What reason do you have for hope? Because when we look at all the negative headlines, when we look at what's happening globally, nationally, it could be very easy for us to get discouraged. So beyond just saying, Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life today, what are some of the other areas and, and ways that you would encourage us to, well, just remember that we have a God who gives us hope? Well, obviously, just being a person that feeds on the Word of God consistently and reading the story of God, I've you know, like many people, you start new reading plans at the beginning of the year, just like you do new exercise plans. And, you know, I've been making my way. I'm now in the latter couple of chapters of Genesis. And I just thought, you know, God was really good at dealing with really messy people. Mm -hmm. And you learn that throughout the whole of scripture that you're like, how can God use this? How can God redeem this? And just reading some of these stories, especially in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph and his brothers, the story of Esther, uh, the story of Nehemiah, and just watching how God works in those messy situations and realizing that he is an expert at doing that, that he's always been able to understand us better than we understand ourselves. And if we will listen to him, submit to him, that we will find him leading us in that direction. And I find that, you know, in, in moving around churches, I was at a church that's gone through a really hard time on Sunday, I got to speak for them, and just to see and hear the joy that they had with each other, even though it's been a really, really rough season for about two years, and they were just like, you know what, we're just going to keep trusting God, and to see that in many congregations that I've had the opportunity to visit over the last year and a half, it's really been encouraging. Talking with uh, Dr. Mark Terman this morning. He is with the Denison Forum, and you can connect with them. A lot of great insights and articles at denisonforum.org. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. On YouTube today, Nathan will share his story and his BHI. Click the bell and subscribe at <laughs> youtube.com forward slash at Dawn and Steve to be reminded each time a new video drops. Am I the only one? 
that goes B-H-I. I hear that, and I think body mass index, and exactly. that's not what he said. Nope. He didn't nope. say BMI. He said B-H-I. So, B-H-I. Yeah, what would that be? Well, biggest human influence. There it is. There so, it is. Biggest human that, influence. We're going to get that hashtag uh, trending eventually. I like it. And our YouTube channel is where it can all start. So thank you for joining us as we talk to Dr. Mark Terman. We'll get that one turned around too and get that on our YouTube channel as we're talking about hope and frustration in America. Dr. Mark, we, we've established there's frustration there. And largely because we may look at the government, we may look at the economy and go, no, I am dissatisfied. I am highly dissatisfied. But you say we need, as especially Christ followers, to look to the hope that we have. Now, Pastor Evie Hill, love him. Pastor Evie has said there's conservative, liberal, and militant. All names, all labels. We do participate in name calling and labels oftentimes. Is that helpful or detrimental? I think the obvious question is yeah, most, answered. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time it's probably not helpful, but it's just what we do. It's just the way human beings try to understand the world and frame it. I love what Pastor Evie said years ago. Uh, I remember my pastor telling that story about E.V. Hill, that he had this sign in his yard that said those three labels of conservative, liberal, and militant. He said, you know, conservative means uh, I believe the Bible from cover to cover in every way. Uh, liberal means I'll give you the shirt off my back. And militant means we're taking the battle to the devil. We're not waiting on him to bring it to us. We're going after him. And love that spirit, love that attitude. Mm -hmm. And it applies in so many things. And, you know, like we were talking about a minute ago, Many times we're talking politically when we say that we're frustrated and dissatisfied. We have to remember that we live in a really big country um, that, you know, there's 330 million people. Projections are that by the time my granddaughter is an adult, uh, 2070, somewhere in that range, when she's my age, there might be 500 million people in our country. And just the volume makes it more complicated. Uh, but if we can step back and remember what the Bible tells us, that God is the one who created government. He's the one that created politics as a, as a means by which we would learn to work together. Even if we don't all believe the same thing, we can learn to live together well and have everyone have the opportunity. Hopefully, one of the things that our country is known for is that we want everyone to have freedom of conscience, freedom of belief, freedom of religion, which means we're going to have some really big differences about how we see the world and live, but we have to figure out together, how do we honor each other? How do we see the image of God in each other and respect and honor that for every person? And as we often say, right, from, from conception to natural death, how do we do that? Yeah. And um, that's what politics is largely about. And we can be grateful that we get to participate, that we each in our country, in our part of the world, we can have a part in that locally, regionally, and globally. And that's an enormous privilege and a, a great responsibility as well. One of the things that I think can be a struggle with that, though, is we begin to look at people who don't agree with us as the enemy. And then that battle that we engage in becomes a flesh and blood battle. It becomes a battle with rhetoric, and it becomes a battle against that, that camp, that party, those people Forgetting that, actually, we also engage in a spiritual battle. And, uh, Mark, I know that, you know, you say we got to remember that we are, yes, called to engage in a battle, but to engage as spiritual warriors. What does that look like to engage that way instead of maybe how we have been engaging? 
Yeah, we, you know, talk about labels and descriptions, right? We hear the term culture war a lot. We even heard it this week in some of the conversation around the State of the Union address, right? Mm -hmm. And we hear that that terminology of warrior, and the Bible certainly uses that uh, idea when it comes to the way that we're to live as Christians. But I, you know, what I have kind of become convicted of, Steve, is that we've gotten Ephesians 6 ahead of Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.1 says that we are to be imitators of God, and then it describes basically how we're supposed to live as missionaries to our world. And then when we get down to Ephesians 6, it says we do have a spiritual battle, but it's not to, to, to overcome the people in front of us. The battle spiritually is with the devil and with his, uh, with his servants. How do we battle spiritually against them? We get this spiritual armor from God that's described in Ephesians 6. But that is the battle that we win on our knees and with the Word of God. The people that we're looking at are the people we are to see, that we are to love, that we are missionaries sent to them to help them understand the good news of Jesus and be reconciled to Him as we have been. Such a great truth that you you talk about being missionaries, and I know that you know you've given some thought to what it would look like to be a cultural missionary in our last couple of moments together here. What what do you think being a cultural missionary would look like for us today? I think it would look like caring for not only your family, but the people right outside your front door to start with, and to see that both your family, your neighborhood, all those places that you're already going, that's your mission field immediately in front of you. You can go serve in a short-term mission trip. That's all well and good. That's great. But the primary mission field that God has put you in are all those environments where you're already going. So how can you live winsomely for Christ in those environments? How can you love well? How can you, yes, speak the truth, but always speak it in love with a desire to see that person walk with God and thrive and flourish to the abundant life that Jesus promised? If we can start with that daily perspective, hey, my job, my family, my uh, place of recreation, my hobby, uh, all of those environments are my primary mission field, and I can make the biggest impact in those places today. It's a good challenge for us today. Yes, that is Dr. Is. Mark Turman of the Denison Forum, and uh, they do a great job of you know, helping us think through what's happening in culture and think through that biblically. So I encourage you to go check them out. It's denisonforum.org. That's denisonforum.org. We'll link you to them through our Facebook page. On Facebook, you're just looking for Don and Steve in the Morning. Remember to find us on Facebook at Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Good morning from all of us here. Hey, we're glad you're with us on, <coughs> excuse me, this Easy Thursday morning. Easy for you to say. Yeah. All right, there <laughs> I we should go. have muted my mic, too. That's okay. I think we can all relate. It oh, just happens. It does happen. Yeah. And it's uh, one of those annoying things. But uh, one of the things that I do get excited about, though, yes, is football playoff season. No. And, of course, the big game <laughs> coming up on uh, on Sunday it's Our, all about the food. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a football game? Uh, there is a football oh, game, believe it or not. Okay. I know that we're going to have a uh, excuse to have a party and maybe see if a football game breaks out on TV because of that. But I, I go back and forth between, uh, you know, who do I want to see win this game? And I guess my allegiance, my loyalty is lo uh, lying with the Kansas City Chiefs, probably because I kind of grew up and close to where they played in Iowa. We had three teams that you tended to cheer for, the Bears, the Vikings, or or Kansas City. Is that the bread basket? 
of the United States. Yeah, kind of. The breadbasket of America, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa. Okay. The generally, yeah. The, I recall this terminology. The breadbasket, from... the grain basket. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we, we, that part of the uh, country feeds so much of the rest of the country. So, the pig skin is what you're talking about. Uh, we're the pig skin game. And I, I would lie, uh, my loyalties would lie towards Kansas City uh, just because I grew up watching more of their games than any, you know, a lot of the other teams. But. There's something about their ownership that I really like. Mm. And if I were sitting on the fence, at least for me personally, this might tip the scales. Oh, do tell. So Clark Hunt is the uh, current owner of the and CEO of Kansas City Chiefs. All right. And he is a sold-out follower of Jesus. Oh, you might, cool. Uh, his dad, Lamar, was instrumental in forming the AFL which eventually joined with the, uh, you know, the other football leagues, and the NFL came out of that. We okay. have the Lamar Hunt Trophy that goes to the champions yes. of the uh, mm-hmm. AFL, and so so we we um, or AFC, and so we have, you know, a long legacy of this family being involved in football, and they're still trying to be influential, but not just in the game of football, but in uh, people's spiritual lives as well. Clark Hunt, at the age of ten, became a follower of Jesus. And in all that he does and all the business interests, and including uh, having the Chiefs, um, he wants people to develop not just physically, not just to be better football players, not just to be better employees. He wants them to develop spiritually as well. Mm. And so he's made faith an instrumental part of being a part of that organization. Now, not everybody is, but many are. And he said, my faith is important to me. I know it's important to members of our team. It's important to members of our you know, coaching staff and, and all of that. And uh, he said, I want everybody to be able to develop spiritually, including the fans. Oh, wow. That's a cool thing. Usually it's just internal, like the team and the, you know, all the people that are helping and serving. And, uh, you know, it's like the cast and crew, right? It takes right. everybody that's going to be on the field or behind the scenes in the locker room. But this is for the fans. It is for the fans, because if you are an NFL fan, you know that a lot of games start, depending on where you live, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time. Uh, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. So there are a lot of uh, fans who love football who during the football season may say, you know, I'm not going to go to church. I, I've got to get to the game. Going to be there, going to tailgate, going to get there, yeah, find time to park and whatever. And in order to get to my seat by kickoff, I have to skip church. And he's saying, I, I don't want our fans to have to do that. So he teamed up with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and they now have a organized pregame chapel service for the fans. And that's been spurred by his faith to uh, contribute to projects and platforms and all of that to proclaim faith in Christ in uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs world there. So he said, so many of our fans were focused on getting to the game early, trying to beat traffic, trying to tailgate, all of that. So in September of 2021, we began game day chapel services. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if we would provide that opportunity for our fans? And many are taking advantage of that opportunity. I love that. Yeah. I would leave even earlier just to get to go to church, whatever he's got, and then be part of the day as well. Talk about really living a life of faith that is not just relegated to kind of one thing. He's he's putting his money proverbially where his mouth is right. in reality. That is really cool. Yeah. So 
if you're on the fence, that might be one reason to consider all right, all right, all right, all right. wearing red on Sunday and uh, cheering for those Kansas City Chiefs. Here, we're glad that you've tuned in and uh, making us a part of your morning this morning. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. Remember, we have an Instagram page. Head there and follow us at Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Try to keep you connected to the conversations that we have just because the prayer, the hope is they'll be encouraging to you, even challenging. I'm telling you, walking with the Lord, it it is a challenge, but it's so sweet all at the same time because of who he is. I mean, his character and then reminding us in his goodness that the things that make sense to us, the things that we think we want to follow that may not be beneficial to us, that he cares enough to go, whoa, <laughs> yeah. don't go there. I've given you a lot of counsel in my word. Start there. Follow that. And then he continues to guide us no matter what the day brings. And I just appreciate conversations that help us look back to him. Because we only have these days. I mean, seriously. You know, we celebrate things like National Pizza Day and National Bagels and Lox Day. Hey, it's even National Toothache Day, which is kind of a sad one. Why would you want to do that? I know. I know. Uh, But all of these things, I mean, this, this is real life, right? These are the things that come into our path. And I think my question, the good, the bad, the ugly is, Lord, how, how can I serve you through this when my heart hurts? And the brokenness is all, all up in my business because it's, it's hard to navigate a certain season. Then, Lord, how can I still sit in that and trust you, knowing that seasons do come and go? I mean, he gave us that picture with the literal, you know, spring, summer, winter, fall, um, because he really does have purpose in every day. He does. And so that's one of the things that I think we can be challenged with each day is, okay, Lord, What do you have for me today? Mm -hmm. What do you have for me this season? And sometimes I I think God says, all right, he's very clear with that. And this is what I'm calling you and asking you to do. And I'm here. Here's the way that I want you to go. And he reveals that in just miraculous ways sometimes. And and we can run with him. And there are other times where I think he just says, I want you to just to be faithful in what I've given you today. Mm -hmm. This is the season I have you in. Be faithful in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of lived in both of those seasons. And sometimes that second one can feel a little bit frustrating because you're like, all right, Lord, what do you got for me now? You know, we we just did this, right? You just did that. Mm -hmm. And man, that was awesome. And oh yeah, I was tired, but I saw you in that and I saw you move. And I, it was so cool to be a part of that and to watch you do all this, which, what you got next. I think sometimes he just said, no, I I got you to a certain point, a certain place. Now I just want you to be faithful where I put you. And there's an element I think of, all right, Lord, help me to be faithful with what you've given me to do today. Mm -hmm. Help me not to become discontent with where you have me right now, but to keep my mind, you know, focused where you would have it be. Help it to be focused on you and help me to honor you with what you've given me to do today. It's a beautiful reminder, Teresa, as you sit in a photo and your husband, who's now with the Lord, has this board that he's holding, and it says not everything in this life has a happy ending. That's true. But this life is not the end of the story. Love I that. love that. I love that. It's perspective. And when our perspective gets out of whack, and that's easily done in this world with all the things that you know we resonate with, that fire us up, that we want to be— uh, 
for lack of a better word, militant about, you know, we're going to die on this hill. Is it to introduce others to the love of Christ because of the day that will come when all of us step into eternity? It just has to be something that plays in our mind throughout a day because we are his. If you have that relationship with him, we are his. And so bottom line is eternity matters and it's just a breath away. It is. Now, the question then becomes, if eternity is as quick as maybe a breath away, mm-hmm. are we ready for it? You know, if today you were to take that last breath, do you know what would happen next? Mm-hmm. You know, would you go into eternity then separated from God, experiencing the horrors of hell for all of eternity? Or would you go into eternity knowing God and experiencing his love? And being in this place where there's no more suffering, pain, he wipes every tear from our eyes. Just heaven is far more than we could ever imagine. Yes. Are you ready to be there? <laughs> yes. You can, Amen. You can know uh-huh. today. And we'd love to send you a short little video that would let you know how you can know God, know his peace, forgiveness, and where you're going to be spending your eternity. One of the questions when it comes to what we call the good news of the gospel and sharing who Christ is and how you know you're going to get to heaven is what would you do if you walked into eternity right now? What would you say if somebody asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What's your answer to that? Because that tells you a lot about where your spiritual condition is and where your trust is. This is not according to Don Ray. It's not according to Steve Hiller. It's according to scripture and what God says that he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. What would you say? That video we want to send you, the keyword to get it is no, K-N-O-W. You can text that to 800-555-7898. We'll send you the link to the Ron Hutchcraft video that talks about the bridge that Christ is for us, the payment that he made on our behalf. He paid the penalty for our sin. And so it's his covering that gets us into glory.